Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. Stay tuned at the end of this episode for an exclusive chat that I had with Dallas housewife Dr. Tiffany Moon recorded at the recent and sold out Andy's Girls Live held in New York City. The full show is available now exclusively on the Andy's Girls Patreon, which can be found at patreon.com slash Girls. A link is also in the show notes to this episode. I'm closer to a shrink than a shrinking violet. Broken and bitchy, enough about you. Now let's talk about me. (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. I was like, ooh, where is this going? Are we talking about financial insecurity? Because if we are, you're on the right show. Let me tell you, you guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode, I think, 260. I honestly couldn't tell you. It's two-something, and God bless us all for today's app. I'm so excited to have a new guest on the People's People's Couch. You know him as the host of the amazing YouTube channel, Up and Adam. And guys, if you're not subscribed, do that right fucking now. Welcome to Andy's Girls, Adam Coy Newell. How are you? Hey, I'm amazing. How are you? Uh, I'm so good. First off, I'm so jolly. We're doing our Zoom uh, situation, and you have one of those, what is it called with Up and Adam behind you? It, Kyle oh, has the one, little too. little neon sign? Yeah, you've got like a neon light, and I just fucking love it. It's so cheer. It's a very bright way to start this app, to start my day. It's gorge. Yes, I didn't want to just go with the white wall. By the way, my tagline was not geared towards you at all. Oh, I know it wasn't. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
I was like, wait a minute. I was a making a funny, Adam. That's kind of okay. what I do now and again. No, I appreciate I that. Just, but I, yeah, no, no. I just wanted to make sure. But no, yeah, I love my neon. What sign. have you heard, Adam? No, tell me more about that neon. Tell me more. I mean, I've moved so many times since I started my channel. I started it about uh, a year ago this past July. Wow. And when I started it, I was in Los Angeles, had no idea I would be moving back to Palm Beach County, Florida. Um, my fiance and I, we bought a condo a couple years ago and wow. obviously the pandemic hit. Our renters let us know, hey, you know, we can't stick around. And unfortunately with condos, they're such a bitch because they have the HOA Mm. And it's a, it was a beautiful condo. We ended up selling it because the HOA was such a pain in the ass, but you can only rent it out one time a year. So they were only a third way through their second year. Um, so only like three, four months in, and they're like, we have to go. So Jason, my fiance and I would have been responsible not only for our ridiculous LA rent, but then our also our mortgage oh and the God. HOA fee. And I said to Jason, I was like, okay, well, California yeah. shut down. And I really would love to go to a beach right now. Let's maybe go take back over the condo. And in moving, I tried green screens. I tried backdrops. Mm. And finally, I was like, just give me a damn neon sign and we will call it a day. Oh, my God. I love it, though. It's so fun. And it's like also the perfect size. Guys, you just need to like check this out. Like go to Adam's <laughs> YouTube channel and see this magic happen because I'm very into it. How are you liking being in Palm Beach full time? Not West Palm. Uh, spoiler alert to Lou and the like, but Palm Beach County. How are you liking that adjustment to being there full time? You know, I grew up. For the most part in Palm Beach County, I was born here and mm. I always said I would never come back because mm. when I was here, I wasn't my most authentic self. I grew up with 11 brothers and sisters. Oh my God. Family. I know. I know. My parents have been married 11 times, divorced nine. So it's, we moved a lot. You know, I went to 13 different schools. I feel like I've been in every part of Palm Beach County. And I always said, I don't love the memories here, so I don't want to come back. But when I introduced my fiance, who's from DC to Palm Beach, he fell in love with it. And he's like, why are you doing this to me? Why are we living in Sherman Oaks? We could be at the beach. We could have such an easier lifestyle. And at the time I was working for Lisa Vanderpump and Tom Sandoval and Tom Shorts at TomTom Tom, making great money. It was like, if you're going to work in a restaurant while you're trying to figure out what you're doing with your life, that's the restaurant to work in because it doesn't feel like, you know, you're not working at a Ruby Tuesday, right? It's this kind of fun, exciting atmosphere. You get to give people shots. Sometimes you get to take shots with them. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was a bottle service girl sometimes, but you know, after the pandemic closed everything down, I wanted to figure out what am I doing? I'm approaching 30 in like the next three, four years. I went to school for broadcast journalism. Maybe I can start a channel and let's see what happens. And Jason thought it was hilarious. He's like, okay, go play around during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I'll go play around. And it ended up becoming a thing, which I got so excited about. But I told him I will never move to Florida to work at like some Joe's Crab Shack on the beach. No offense to anybody who does it because I've worked in a, like a ton of restaurants, I just couldn't go back from Tom Tom into a normal restaurant situation because it would have depressed me. I mean, there's a lot there to unpack, just even skipping over the part of the siblings and the marriages, which 
do trust if we had a nine hour episode, that would be the first eight and a half for me, at least. I would <laughs> love to hear more about it. But what what has your experience been working with and for Bravo Lebs and then transitioning to covering them? What has that kind of felt like for you just personally? That's a great question. Um, you know, I think it gives me a little bit more of an insight as to how these people act and live and being around production, being around production of Vanderpump Rules and getting to know a lot of people on, you know, a deeper level as opposed to just seeing them on our our favorite TV shows, right? Like I, I love most of the cast from Vanderpump Rules. Love, love, love Lisa. Have seen a different side of her that I just, I think she's amazing. And mm. if I could aspire to be Lisa Vanderpump, that's exactly who I would want to be. Um, but no, I feel like it just gives you that little bit more... Uh, of an insight, you know, and a step up just being around them and seeing how the whole production of it works. I guess if that's a good answer. <laughs> it, it totally is. I mean, I would just think it's, it has, would potentially be to me uh, such an interesting lens because you've already kind of been within the experience, not necessarily yourself on TV, but more importantly, watching other people navigate that and the lens of celebrity. And I would think that would provide a really special experience when you're talking about specifically housewives or Bravo Labs or TV whomever, um, doubled by the fact that Beverly Hills and Vanderpump Rules have really been in the conversation more than most in the past year, which happens to be when you started your channel. Right. Yes. Um, so of course, like when you, when you sign up to work in certain restaurants where you have the owners who are very much so a part of a, a TV show or working in the industry, you sign NDAs and you sign mm -hmm. certain things. So I made it you know, I was very conscious about, sorry, I got congested for a second, yeah. about, um, I think, being aware of not talking about Vanderpump Rules. And yeah. at first I said I would never talk about Vanderpump Rules or Lisa, but I thought about it and I'm like, I don't have anything bad to say. Like, there's only, I, I don't necessarily love a few of them, like Jack's I could leave him. Um, but when it comes to Lisa or whatever, you know, Lisa or Ken or even, you know, Sheena, Ariana, Tom and Tom, I don't have anything bad to say. So coming on and talking about what they're doing now and celebrating their their next move, it, it kind of changed my decision on not talking about it. So the first year I didn't mention anything about any of them. And then after I was like, wait a minute, these are hot topics. I know a lot of behind the scenes. My fiance also ran Lisa's restaurant pump for two, three years. Wow. So she, he was like the go-to for them. He would go to Villa Rosa. He would drop things off. Lisa loved him. She would walk in and she would grab onto his arm and hold his arm. And then he would walk her to the table. And then when his dad unfortunately passed away, you know, they sat down and had like a two, three hour conversation. And mm. she, he just got to see a different side that not even I got to see. And I was thinking in my head, a lot of people don't get this. So I would love to celebrate that as opposed to seeing a lot of the headlines that are like, this person is a liar. Puppygate is BS. This is bullshit. And I'm like, uh, okay, well, that's not my point of view. And I've been around them. I've lived in it. I've experienced it, like you said. So I thought, why not share my point of view? I haven't read the newest book that's out um, about the 
sort of behind the scenes of Bravo and, and Housewives, but there was a pretty big reveal that allegedly, and again, I haven't read it. I've only just kind of seen a couple pieces that pop up in page six or whatever, um, that allegedly a producer does confirm that it was Lisa who leaked the Puppygate story to Raider Online. What was your reaction hearing about that? And did you cover it on your channel? So that was Chris Cullen, I believe. Um, mm. You know, I have to say, when it comes to this book, I don't know what's fact or fiction. And listening to a few of the things that Chris said in the book, I'm not discrediting him at all because I don't know Chris. And I assume since he was a producer, he knew a lot of the ins and outs. Mm -hmm. But then when I started piecing together, he's you know saying Lisa did this first storyline. And Lisa always said, I don't sell stories. And then I'm going back. And actually my fiance found this. If you look back at previous articles throughout the years, it's like Kyle Richards um, exclusively spoke to Radar Online and Kyle and Kyle and Kyle. And I never saw Lisa. So in my head, I'm thinking, well, what is the true story? Because I'm not buying just what they put in this book, especially after hearing Sonia Morgan had lit cigarettes in her hoo-ha, you know, and and a few other like rumors that came out. Bethany has bashed the book. Kelly Dodd has bashed the book. I guess maybe that's not the best person to reference, but you know, <laughs> nobody is telling us this is a fact. They're saying this is, you know, these are the housewives and the producers and the people who wanted to speak out in the book. These are their feelings. So I don't go based off of feelings. I want facts. So as of right now, maybe because I'm biased, I'm still team LVP did not sell that story. It wouldn't even, it wouldn't have done anything for her. And a lot of, a lot of fans were like, well, maybe it could have been a good segue into Vanderpump Dogs, just like they used Sheena to segue into Vanderpump Rules. And mm. I'm like, okay, I can see, you know, I can see this theory, but I still don't buy, it doesn't make Lisa or Vanderpump Dogs, it doesn't paint them in the best light by saying that they had this dog that allegedly bit Dorit's child mm -hmm. and they got it from Vanderpump Dogs. Like, I don't know why she would sell a story that would not paint her business in the best light. It doesn't add up to me. I mean, I do think, don't you love that we're talking about Radar Online and the dot? You can't get out of Puffygate. We're still inside of it. It's It has a hold on us. No matter, we complained about how it, the entire season was Puffygate. And now I'm like, let's talk more about Puffygate. Um, you know, that I damn think, Puffygate. Right? Amen. Uh, what a bitch. Um, I think that, you know, the interesting thing with that piece is that, yes, like the, the bite isn't great, but it was seemingly definitely framed around Dorit, you know, putting Dorit in a negative light. I think that there are, it's like one of those things that I can't really, people have asked me if I've read the book yet. And it's like, I can't comment on it until I've, I've read it. And I'm so appreciative that there are different voices out there. It is though a bummer to see some of these leaks because, you know, it just kind of makes me a little sad that instead of and maybe it does this, like the celebration of these women instead of just pitting them against each other. Like there is something to be said for the fact that especially the OGs, it doesn't mean we can't talk about these things and like talk about the gossip and what surrounds them. But like, are we, is that all we're doing? Like, is there any attention on the network or there, is there any attention on 
the responsibility of the people in charge or is that a little is that flying a little too close to the sun like it feels like the only people who are getting burned in this are the women who in some ways we should be thanking because they they built this it was because of their personalities it's not that I die for Vicky Gumbelson, but Vicky Gumbelson was an important part of the history. Nini, who didn't participate from what I understand is an important part of the history. Bethany, who didn't participate from what I understand is an important part of the history. And so my hope when I read it is that it we're able to get a sense that it's obviously talking about these gossipy things, but also celebrate the, celebrating them. And the Sonia thing, I honestly found really dark and sad because it gets into questions about consent. And I, I didn't think it was interesting or gossipy. I thought it was really dark and unfortunate that that was included. But, um, but you know, I'm excited to read it. So have you read it in full or are you kind of no, following so, the, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I've just read, um, I've read a few pages. Mm. I have the I have the book. I've read a few pages. I haven't read the full thing, but no, I agree with you. You know, like even Bethany tweeted out and she's like, this is not women supporting women. And the way that some of these, these claims did come out, especially with Sonia, they are dark. And I love Andy Cohen. I love Bravo. I love the fact that they decided to come out with a book period that gave us a few tidbits that we never would have experienced or known about had they have not put out the book yeah but then when I think about it I'm like we're still going through this pandemic there's so many things that were going on in the world still are there's so many negative things like why do we need you know like the Sonia thing more negativity or dark moments that that's not what we're doing right now or need to be doing we need to have you know positive insight and kind of keep it a little bit more fluffy even though I know a lot of people don't want the fluff and the cotton candy bullshit right. version of it I, I just think that right now maybe wouldn't have been the best time. And, you know, I talked to Zach Peter and he was just on my show the other day and I love him and his podcast. And he was telling me that he interviewed, I believe the guy's name is Brian Moyens. Who, Brian Moylan. Yeah. Moylan. Moylan. Thank you. Um, oh, it's so early over here. And I know no, it's, it's, really it's there. literally <laughs> it's 2 a.m. You guys we're doing a midnight recording. <laughs> no, but Brian Moylan um, and he did a housewives book and Zach was telling me that Brian was sharing that he went to Bravo and he had this idea about interviewing all the housewives and sharing like a behind the scenes tidbit. He still put out his book, but Bravo allegedly blacklisted him and they were like, no, you know, we're not supporting this or being a part of it. And I thought that was interesting because it sounded more like they wanted to take control over the narrative and make sure because they're the network and it's a business. So it right. makes sense. It makes right. sense. It's I'm, I'm conflicted, but also I love a good business move. And I love Andy Cohen, so it makes me a little biased. It's weird, you know? I mean, I love Brian's book. I happen to be in it, so I treasure it especially because of that. But, um, you know, there is room in this world for a variety of books about housewives and a variety of perspectives and voices. Wouldn't it be great, for example, if one of the books about housewives was, I don't know, written by a woman? <laughs> this is all about women's. It's a little, it's a little, it's fascinating to me. But, um, you know, I, I think that it's possible to have a book that is a celebration of women, but not just a celebration. I think it's a, it's a weird spot to be in because I think if they had a book that was like women supporting women, which is great, I don't know if it would have kicked off the kind of conversation that's happening now. And it is a business like anything else. It, the timing of it is fascinating in the sense that Bravo did go out of their way to uh, 
ensure as best they could that any housewife past present or future did not speak to Brian which he's publicly discussed uh, including on Andy's girls and so there is that idea that they were like okay we're not gonna give him any kind of access and we're gonna use all of it on our own you know we're gonna try to get control of this which I don't begrudge them for I think that's a tactically smart move even though there is something to be said for like you know I don't know how this will look for them if they are incredibly withholding for Brian's book but what he was able to write was to be honest uh, a complete triumph it was exactly the kind of story that I wanted to hear which was really not the nuts and bolts but really the navigation of the experience of being a Bravo-holic I thought it was a genuine celebration um, and one that wasn't you know, through uh, rosé colored glasses, you know, I thought it was like a genuine, interesting, fascinating kind of conversation to have. And just the sense that I get from this is that it's like, okay, well, we're going to put every ounce of anything that we've ever heard into this, which is super smart. I just, I'm hopeful to, I'm hopeful that when I read it, this is all me, like, I can truly go fuck myself because I haven't read the book yet. But when I do read it, my hope is that I come out of the book feeling like, oh, like, great. Like, this is all interesting stuff. There's tea that I hadn't heard that I'll want to talk about for hours and not feel a little dirty about the ways that the women, you know, that it's like we're making a deposit at the bank and the only currency is talking shit about these women or women talking shit about each other, you know? Right. You know, and with Bethany too, like, obviously we know that Carol and Ramona, um, they, they came out with these stories yes. about Bethany using certain things like trying to catch Tom D'Agostino at the Regency Hotel with a woman kissing him. And she told her friend, let me know and I'm going to get a photo of it to use it as a storyline. I'm thinking in my head and I love that she spoke out and she's like, okay, wait a minute. So I'm a casting director. I'm a producer. I'm a cinematographer. Like she's going down the line and she's being so sarcastic about it. But that's what I love about Bethany. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, this guy he came off like he would be that guy anyways. Like nobody had to set him up. We could already tell by watching him on the show that he would have that moment. That was the kind of guy that we felt like he was from the beginning. We saw on the hot mic where the one woman was talking to him about, you know, getting married. Are you really getting married? And he was like shooing her away. Like I'm on camera. We got little moments already. I don't feel like Bethany needed to go out of her way to set anything up. Not saying that she didn't, but I just find it interesting. Bethany said, I don't want to be a part of the book, yet they still mention her in the book. But then we're hearing that they're upset that she's kind of challenging what was said in the book. However, if you're talking about her in the book, then of course she's going to speak out about it. And when she came back and was like, I'm a locked vault. I keep all receipts, executive producers, producers, cast members, ex-cast members. I have it all. I was like, oh, shit, you guys better leave Bethany alone because she's going to come rip you a new one. This is. Ah. <laughs> I mean, I do believe that she did something. It is 100 percent. This is also one of the things of like sidebar drinking game every time I say I should truly go fuck myself. But I should truly go fuck myself because I haven't read the book yet. But as when I saw that the clip of that in like page six or whatever that made a hundred percent sense the way that she had skinny girl in her fucking hotel room and was like reaching for that mark with the shaky hand like that made a ton of sense and no I don't think that it was like a you know have a woman go up to Tom and charm him I think it was the idea that he's a piece of shit and 
it wouldn't be that difficult. And maybe she had a friend who reached out to her who was like, I'm with Tom at the Regency and whatever happened, happened. I don't think that she took advantage of him in any way to like get this thing to happen. I think she captured what was happening as it went down. Okay, so, all right. So then that makes sense. I want to say it like this then. I could see where Bethany may have gotten a text message from a friend Mm -hmm. that said, oh my gosh, I'm here at the Regency and I see your girlfriend's fiance making out with another woman. And Bethany was like, oh no, no shit. That's true. Take a photo and send it to me if that's true. And then the woman sending Bethany a photo and then Bethany presenting the photo. But I really couldn't see Bethany going out of her way to be like, oh my gosh, okay, girl. Well, Tom, apparently I talked to Luann. Uh, Tom's going to the Regency tonight. I want you to just go like show up, see if he's doing something sleazy. I don't see her going out of her way to do that. I mean, I would love if she did. This this is the kind of shit that I want to talk about, though. Like, this is the stuff that's interesting. And Bethany, here is the conundrum in talking. These kinds of conversations are complicated because it's difficult to just rely on Bethany's tweets of, like, this isn't women supporting women without acknowledging the tremendous joy, joie de vivre that she's taken in slut-shaming Luann, like October Berkshire's County. So it's, you don't necessarily, there are people who are like, well, she can go fuck herself because of what happened with Lou. And then there's the idea of like, well, she's not wrong with this tweet. And I think it's, you don't necessarily get to choose one or the other. It's, you can, you have every right to, but I think it's actually a combination of the both. Uh, It's like, you know, a broken clock can be right twice a day. And with Bethany, I acknowledge the truth and what she's tweeting. And I also acknowledge the fact that, you know, she has said and done things that are in conflict with the mission she's presenting in that tweet. And that might be something that she herself acknowledges. I mean, these are the kinds of conversations that I find really interesting. This is the kind of conversation that I think the book is bringing out, which may or may not be covered in the book, but I'm glad that people are talking about it through this lens. I think that's important. I think it's important to say when we're talking about the value that the franchise brings and the fact that it would not have existed in this way without such dynamic women, what happens to these women when the bank comes calling, you know, like the ways that Bravo potentially was trying to redirect control of the narrative and what role did they play in being the narrator of this? You know, I think that's all incredibly interesting. It's the story outside of the story outside of the story. You know, I have two things to say about this too. Yeah, um, one, I love that saying. I've never heard it before. A clock may be broken, but it's right twice a day. I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> I love a good saying, okay? Because now I'm probably going to steal it from you and I'll, I'll it. use it in the day. Love. Um, it's turtle time. It's turtle time. But, you know, I don't. do you know who Emily D. Baker is? I do. She's the official legal correspondent of Andy Scrolls, who's been on several times and I die for Emily D. Baker. Uh, Okay, so I love her. And she has a saying that also has stuck with me. Um, Were you lying then or are you lying now? And she said Mm. she used to use that as a prosecutor. And another one of the stories that came out, aside from Teresa Judice allegedly stabbing, you know, Daniel Staub with a fork. fork. um, Lisa Rinna, the story came out about the Munchausen's thing with Yolanda Hadid. And, you know, Lisa at one point put out 
in the world, you know, I was the one who was responsible for this conversation. I heard it from my hairdresser and then I brought it up on the show. I'm not going to pin this on any of the other women. I take full responsibility. Then pan over to the book and now the blame is being placed on LVP as if she was the mastermind of the Munchausen's conversation. And I'm thinking, okay, wait, that completely contradicts what you said before. So in the words of Emily D. Baker, the number one legal commentator on YouTube, Mm. Were you lying then or are you lying now? Like, that's mm. what I, I want. I just, I want to know the truth. I don't like the fluffy bullshit. I want to know what the hell is actually going on behind the scenes and what happened. But I feel like we're always going to hear two different sides. And it's almost like with, like, I'm going to use my family as an example. If you go around to me and my 11, 11 brothers and sisters, and you ask us about our childhood, each one of us, mm. we're all going to have a different rendition of how that childhood went. And we're all going to give you a completely different example because it was how we remember it, how we, how we, I guess I'll just stick with remembered it, you know? And I feel like these women, since a lot of this was so long ago, they've said the story so many times in their head that they might remember it their way, not necessarily that they're lying, but they have a different narrative in their mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really I feel like I'm great on a roller point. Coaster. No, I think that's I think that's a really great point and it's also about the processing of truth, which um is why I think it's in I mean again, drinking game. If you heard me say I should truly go fuck myself, have a swig of seltzer, but I think that there's something to be said for actually reading the book, which I'm excited to do and then maybe I'll look back in this conversation and be like, "Ooh, my perspective has adjusted or shifted or or become hopefully ever so slightly more nuanced." Um, but I think it's also important to be like, okay, there are two books that feel like official books about um, housewives told in many different ways, uh, in very different ways, rather. And it's not necessarily a, a battle between them. I think it's okay to be like, okay, this book provided this kind of value and perspective and this book did this one and I think it's actually great that they seem to be very different very different styles very different goals like I don't know that it needs to be some sort of odd you know Potomac from last season god forbid I compare it but like Monique versus Candace dynamic (laughs) I hope that this conversation doesn't feel like to people so I want to make that clear there's lord knows there's more than enough room for variety of different um, perspectives and hopefully the network uh, allows access for the next book that's written um, if it's not done through their uh, through their house or through Andy Cohen books that would be incredible regardless of whether it's done I think you know let's if these women want to talk and it's not a matter of an NDA like let's allow them to have conversations but mention it all Mention it all. Listen, we talked about the book for seven hours, which was not something that I anticipated, but that's the joy of AG, that it's like very stream of consciousness. And I do want to, you know, when we get to like the two truths and a lie or and that perspective, I do think that there's a way to transition this a little bit um, to the Beverly Hills reunion, part three of which aired this week. I'm curious for your thoughts uh processing the reunion and the season so far what's your what is your perspective been what's your experience been watching the kind of ups and downs and journey of bh you know obviously this was a very explosive season um it rode off the back of the girardi scandal and watching the reunion 
I, I have some opinions. I, I didn't necessarily think it needed to be four parts. I think three parts would have been great. I love the addition of Kathy Hilton. I think that she's amazing. And on the mm -hmm. show, I love that she took the friend role. So she gets to pop in, she gets to give us our, her quirky side. And then, you know, it's a different version of her that we didn't know about or that we've never seen, especially after Paris's documentary came out. Obviously, a lot of people were very upset with her parents because of that documentary. Mm. So I, I, it was happy or I was happy to see a different side of Kathy Hilton. And when it came to our newbie, Crystal Kung Minkoff, I love her. I've done an interview with her. She's a sweetheart. And I hate that people have bashed her saying that she had no storyline. She didn't open up. She opened up about the fact that one, when she felt violated, it was because she suffered with body issues. And I was talking to Dana Wilkie the other day and Dana even said, don't you think this is the storyline, you know, violated? Is it really violated? Because Sutton walked in there, but it's not like she was like going over and like poking her when she was naked or anything like that. And I said, no, I don't think that's a storyline because I have the same problem, you know, like I've grown up, I was the short little heavy kid, then I got tall, then I was heavy. You know, when I left LA, I, I was in a bad accident um, when I was in Los Angeles and mm. it stopped me from going to the gym for a year and I put on 30 pounds. And then I have people on my YouTube channel, they saw me when I started my channel with a skinnier face and now I'm getting fat comments. And I like, and I look in the mirror and I look and I feel like I'm looking in a funhouse mirror and I never like what I see, which is really unfortunate. And it's something that I struggle with. So when I hear Crystal struggling with it too, I'm like, this is not, don't take that away from her. That's very real. And for the fact that she could even share that and be that vulnerable, I want to, you know, praise that. And when it comes to Lisa Rinna, she let me down this season. I know that Erica needs a friend but we need relentless Rena. And if you're going to be so relentless on Denise Richards for allegedly hooking up with Brandy, which we all think that she probably did, I think that, you know, you could have given us a little bit more this season. And for Erica, what the fuck? You know, like this, <laughs> uh, this that's situation with Erica, I, I mean, that's it in a nutshell. You know, I was mentioned in the Girardi scandal in the legal documents because I did an interview with Ronald Richards and then Emily messaged me and she's like, oh my gosh, you were brought up in court. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I, we, Jason and I were walking, um, about to go into a restaurant. We were having like a little spat back and forth. I think we we're arguing about who needs to take out the dogs when we get home, something so stupid. Oh my and God. I was like, it's your turn. Fuck off. And he's like, no, bitch, it's your turn. And we're going back and forth. And he's like, you're ruining dinner. You're ruining dinner. Fuck this. I don't even want to go out to dinner anymore. And Emily texted me. And I was like, oh, my God, Jason. He's like, I don't care about that right now. You pissed me off. You can apologize. Then I'll look at it. And I was having like a panic attack. And I'm like, oh no, God. are they going to shut down my YouTube? What's going to happen? Like, I didn't say anything bad. I just interviewed Ronald Richards. And, you know, as all of this information has come out, there's a lot of red flag stories. I get that fans think that about Erica Girardi and the car flipping, allegedly unconscious for nine to 12 hours. I don't know what's real, what's not. Did she know, did she not, or did she know, or did she not? I don't know at this point, but what I do know is she, le she is legitimate when she says, damn if I do, damn if I don't. Like she mm -hmm. is not going to win at this point because it's been, it's too far in the game. If she's happy, people are going to be upset that she's happy. If she's pissed off, they're going to be like, well, why are you pissed off? She can't win. And I, I really do feel bad about that. Yeah, I think, wow. First off, oh my God, that you were mentioned the a part of history, Beverly Hills history, if nothing else, like that's, that has to be 
quite a shock to the system to go from understanding the world in which these stories exist through your relationship with LVP and with some of the Bravo Lebs to unpacking these stories to then being a part of the legal systems examination of a story that <laughs> is certainly happening and very important to discuss off camera, but is obviously the focal point of this season. I mean, you're checking off. No, if your heart, if you could ever feel like your heart fell into your ass, oh that my was my God. moment where my heart, like it was beating out of my chest. I saw my whole life flash before. This sounds very dramatic, but I'm no, like, I, I don't want to be mentioned. It scared the hell out of me because, you know, you don't want to, you want to talk about it, but you don't want to be a part of it. I mean, and yet Erica is saying to people, why don't you call me? Like, I don't understand why you would have any kind of anxiety about legal stuff because you're not being accused of anything. And yet look at your experience. You're someone who simply held an interview with someone who either before or after had you know, began a formal relationship and role in this, uh, representing the bankruptcy trustees, whatever his official title is. And look at the panic that set in for you just being, and I don't mean this to dissuade, but like just being named in a document. And then look at that, you know, compare that to Erica's response to the women in the cast who are being named in every single press article and a lot of conversation about what will be used in court, it really pushes back on her sense of like, why didn't you pick up the phone to call? And I compare, didn't even think about that perspective. Right? Like compare that to the idea that, well, look at your situation and your understandable concern about how being named in a document because of maybe some quotes that were used from that article or whatever the re reasoning was, how that factored into your concern about your work product. And then imagine how these women felt. And then yet Erica's continuing this conversation of like, it's so ridiculous that you would act on your anxiety. It doesn't add up. No, and I, I don't think it's ridiculous. You know, I think all of the women have a right to be concerned because at the end of the day, they will be involved in it, whether they like it or not. Same thing with Salt Lake City, the Jen Shaw drama. People will go up to Whitney Rose, Heather Gay, ask them about it. They'll be mentioned in articles as they already are now. And, you know, I was talking to, I do a segment on my channel, um, 6 p.m., Eastern, Monday through Friday, I call it hot, messy topics, where mm. when I started my channel, I would do a lot of lives and I would welcome in, you know, our subscribers and our community to join me in the conversation. And somewhere along the way, I just got busy with moving and I started pumping out pre-records where I would record for 10 minutes, add photos and pop it up and I wouldn't be on a live for an hour. Well, I wanted to get back to the bones of why I started my channel and I started this so I could have people call in and sometimes we get 15, 20 people call in a night and we have like a panel where we talk about these different topics. And one woman came on um, and she said, I was involved in a legal situation. My friend was indicted. And when my friend was indicted, we, she would call me and talk about it on the phone. Oh, and because of that, I was called into court as I guess a witness. And I had to say, and share everything that we talked about. Mm. She said it took up my time. It took me away from work. And these, this is real. You know, at one point, Ronald Richards even put on Twitter, maybe we're going to serve Lisa Rinna with, I don't know, is it a, 
a subpoena or whatever mm -hmm. to have her come in as a witness because she's so so obviously defending Erica, but why? Why are you defending Erica? So maybe we'll have her come into court. And that just, that again, would make my heart fall into my ass. I don't want to ever step into a courtroom. I don't want to ever do anything to where I need to step in a courtroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that there's, you know, Erica's lack of understanding, her sort of refusal to get that perspective, it's important to acknowledge that a lot of that is based in very real and acute fear of what is going to happen to her. So I understand that she feels like she's being backed into a corner and her only reaction is to sort of fight back and attack even though as Crystal said where is that energy to your husband which we didn't really get an answer to we just got more direct anger to her cast but there's something to be said for the ways that she has been coached to respond and this is where the Bravo community is really important so you sharing your perspective of that person's experience and how that can affect and transition or change add some nuance to our experience watching is really important and there's also an instagram account called the bravo docket do you know the bravo docket it's run by two um women attorneys and so their perspective has has certainly been to provide a little clarity on like their ig page and elsewhere around uh, specifically around like the legal matters and so they posted, oh, now you have me hooked. I have to go oh, check yeah. Them out. I was like, oh, my God. So then they posted something after part three aired that was essentially just to say, listen, Erica continues using language like alleged crimes, not even crimes, alleged misdoings. My husband allegedly did these things. And it's important to acknowledge that it's no longer an allegation because it was legally determined that Tom did not pay. Um, the Mr. Regomez, who I believe was the uh, burn victim and his family, his settlement money, which totaled over $11 million. He was the victim of a San Bruno blast. Tom was victorious in pre representing him against PG&E. He sued Tom in 2019 and was successful in receiving a judgment against him for the owed money. So the word allegedly is typically used when something illegal or wrong is said to have been done but has not been proved. And that's that does not apply in this case because it has been proven that that money was owed to Mr. Ragomez. And I'm apologies if I'm mispronouncing his name and was not given to him. So the idea of alleged is all fine and good, but that is only going to help you for so long because she's living in this suspended state that's not factually correct. And yet it could have been uh, a discussion with her attorneys that that was the right thing to say and no one's pushing back. So this is the narrative that she's presenting. Does she understand the ways that it's incorrect or inaccurate? I'm not quite sure. I really don't know. What do you think? I mean... I feel like at this point she probably should with as much time as she's probably spending with her defense team, but she's probably trying to dot her I's and cross her T's and make sure that she doesn't say the wrong thing. And I think by using the word alleged, that's where she's coming from. I'm not defending anybody at all. And I'm not bashing Erica at all. I mean, at this point, I don't want to be <laughs> involved in that to? at all. Right. 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 She's but doing a good enough job of it herself, but yeah. It's this is a whirlwind and a roller coaster of a situation. And I think that she was counseled 
And I, I'm curious because she's like, wait, I want everyone to be patient. And eventually you'll hear my side of it when I get to talk. So I want to hear her side. She keeps telling us that we're only hearing one side. And that's the LA Times article. That's one side. And it, it almost, and I'm not saying she's doing this, but it almost kind of is like, oh, you just heard from LA Times where they came in with all these facts, but that's just one side. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, yeah, that's one big fucking side. Like that's <laughs> heavily <laughs> researched and vetted. That's you. Yeah. It's a, the, the, the code of journalism is that you're asking for comment. Her saying she didn't know when it came out. They or her representatives in the article. It, it wasn't a no comment. They did not respond to requests for comment. She knew it was coming to not say that she didn't know at all is wildly I think inaccurate I think that's really withholding the realities of the of the situation this is not radar online you know what I'm saying no I agree I agree with you because like they said in the article in the second article that these two writers did um, they said we reached out for comment and her rep didn't comment which obviously means if her rep didn't comment then the rep is probably letting Erica know hey this article is coming out, which makes sense as to why she would have left the house in the first place. It, it really does. But do I think that we're going to get the answers that we want? No, we haven't gotten them all season. We've mm. we've been on this sort of funhouse roller coaster of a ride where we're trying to figure out shit. Things aren't adding up for us. They're not adding up for the other housewives. And even though Andy Cohen teased like this was one hell of a reunion, guys, it's four parts. This is going to be everything. We didn't leave anything on the table. And I was thinking in my head, I'm like, oh shit, this is going to be good. Garcelle went on Watch What Happens Live. Kyle went on Watch What Happens Live. Lisa Rinna. And they all said, wow, you really grilled her. And you asked the questions that fans really want to know. And I had this conversation with Zach Peter and Zach is like, well, what other questions did you want, you know, them to ask or him to ask her? But I'm, I'm thinking like, well, she didn't answer a whole lot that we didn't already know on or from the show. You know, I'm not getting a whole lot of information in my mind, unless I missed something that we haven't already heard. Zach's like, well, we heard that there were three mistresses. I'm like, well, at the point that we find out that he's fucking cheating and that he has this phone and he's, you know, she exposed the justice and all these other people. I don't give a shit how many times he cheated. He's a cheater. So that part I don't care about. I want to know did you know? Did you, you know, these are questions I want to know that I feel like she will never give us. One, she might not know. And two, if she does know, she's legal, she's not going to tell us because, well, her defense team is probably telling her, don't fucking say that. Mm. And also she doesn't want to dig her hole deeper with the court system, the legal system. So I understand where she's coming from. It's just that leaves us like, what the actual fuck? We don't know shit. But that's why I would push back on that a little bit. First off, I fucking died that there are four parts. I couldn't get enough of this. If it was 12 parts, I would be like, where's the other three? <laughs> I so I but I totally get your perspective there. But with here's how I'm kind of looking at it is like the air. She will answer in whatever ways she has been strat. She has been strategizing to answer. That's just the reality of what's going to happen. But you know how you're at a wedding and there is this idea that for whomever's walking down the aisle, you could look at them, but the actually the more interesting and sometimes often like more romantic thing is to look at the person standing at the altar and look at their face as they're watching their partner fiance walk down the aisle. That's actually an interesting perspective. I sort of think about that when I'm watching the reunion where 
Of course, Erica's reactions are important. Her deflections, her uh, strategic, reactive anger focused at everyone else but Tom. That is something to unpack. But it's also really interesting to look at the other women's reactions to Erica's reactions because there is still a great sense of silence uh, taking out her response to the Instagram stuff where obviously several people jumped in, understandably so, but it does still feel like these women are very nervous and Erica seems to threaten them in the reunion. I'm taking notes. I'm going to remember who was with me and who was against me. And she doesn't seem to care about how they feel about whether or not she was against them. It's not an even, it's not an even kind of conversation. And yet the women are also participating in that. It feels like there are not as many reactions to Andy's questions or more importantly, Erica's responses as there would be with anything else, like the Denise of it all. No one seemed nervous about taking her on. And I wonder, is that because these, right? Like, why do you think that is? I I can't give you that answer. I have the same question. You know, I, I don't know. I know that she is seen as this ice queen of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And she has a certain demeanor about her, Mm. but who gives a shit? She's not going to get up and like come across, you know, the reunion floor and grab you by the hair and rip you off the couch. We're, We're not going to see that. So if you have something to say, say it. And I do feel like the women are intimidated by her. And when I was talking to Dana Wilkie about this, she had an interesting perspective and she feels like maybe Bravo or the women know that Bravo, Andy, and the network, right now they have ratings gold with the Girardi scandal. So the women might know not to push too hard to make Erica uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. because if Erica coming into the next season, which obviously she's going to get a pay raise, they're still going to want to continue this conversation about the Girardi scandal. Coming into the next season, if she doesn't want to film with someone and that person pushed too hard and she's not comfortable or her attorney says that she can't film with that person, Bravo is going to be like, hold on, wait a minute. Sorry, Dorit, you don't have much of a storyline. Well, until yesterday. But you don't have much of a story. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Yeah. But you don't have much of a storyline. So we're going to take Erica's side and we have to, we have to let you go this season because we need to get this content. And I said, well, that's an interesting perspective. I never really thought about it like that. Yeah, I feel like it might be a combination of a few different things. The sense of what happens to my fan base. But I don't know how. I think that that perspective is interesting. What happens strategically from a business perspective about me jumping in. But because the majority of the audience has been pushing for pushback, which I think framed a lot of Andy's questions, understandably so, which I appreciate. I don't know how that carries water. You know what I'm saying? Like I get the business end of it, but the business end of it is that a lot of people want there to be pushback. So I don't know how that, I don't know how to navigate it. I do think that there is instinctive intimidation that she is able to word of the day as always weaponize against these women and do so successfully and there might also be 
concern of making an enemy of Erica Jane. I, you know, it's like, what does she have left? Well, I don't know that these women want to be humiliated as she tried to do seemingly successfully with Sutton. I think people are are afraid of her and what a great friendship to have you know if the basis of your <laughs> friendship is like this person is going to ruin me with words I mean who really wants to get into an argument with someone like that and yet you know Lisa Rinna's you know swimming quite along so I right. really don't I also know think, I think these women are cut from different cloths too and we have mm. to acknowledge that because Erica you know we know that she was working at Shakers and we know that she didn't always have this glamorous life mm -hmm. um, before Tom and she was out there and she, I'm sure she's seen a lot of shit in her day with the different jobs that she had. And she comes from probably not only an educated background, but also a street smart background. You know what I mean? Like she knows mm -hmm. how this shit works. Whereas like Sutton's like, da, da, da. I allegedly have $300,000 a month in alimony and I'm a Southern belle. And then you have, you know, Kyle who grew up in Hollywood, Kathy who grew up, you know, she, well, she didn't grow up in Hollywood, but Kathy, obviously she's not going to get in the thick of it. Crystal is still brand new. And Garcelle, I think Garcelle was trying to show a little bit of compassion for Erica mm -hmm. while still trying to get the questions answered. But I don't feel like any of them have that real aggressive, like, let's get in there and like, screw it. Because it's not a cotton candy situation like the Denise Richards, where Lisa Rinna was like, oh, you hooked up with her. She didn't have any problem jumping in on that. This, I think, is a little bit bigger, a little bit scarier. And they're afraid to get in the, into the conversation because, well, Erica's threatening that they could allegedly be sued. Allegedly. That's the word of the day. It's allegedly... The other word that you just said, and what'd you say? Go fuck yourself? Something like yeah, that? Yeah, allegedly weaponized. Go fuck yourself. I mean, it really is the holy trinity of the drinking game. <laughs> drinking game. Um, I do want to get your thoughts on um, the Dorit of it all, because what a sad and distressing uh, piece of news and the element of the re the impact of what she said during part three Um. Uh, and how that may or may not have influenced the very scary situation that followed. But before we do that, I mean, listen, we're spilling the tea. Let's talk about some lettuce and greens. Um, I am so excited to be using a new meal delivery cooking service considered the number one meal kit for eating well. Green Chef has a meal plan for every healthy lifestyle, keto, paleo, plant-powered diets, or even if you just want to have delicious but balanced meals. It's the first USDA certified organic meal kit so you can enjoy hand-picked organic veggies and premium proteins without having to worry about where they came from. I have to say, I got my green chef delivery this week. I was like, it's Christmas slash Hanukkah slash, you know, literally a celebration when I opened that box because I am gluten-free, dairy-free, vegan-friendly, soy-free, refined sugar-free. I am a complicated person. <laughs> and to open that box and get these incredible, incredible recipes that are waiting in my fridge for me to cook. Nothing made me happier in this world. The fact that they're organic, the fact 
that it is plant-based was absolutely incredible. It's so hard to find something that will work with a diet that is so specific based in wellness and some medical concerns. You're and making me so hungry. Oh my God. I truly guess what I'm having for lunch. Uh, it's going to involve some rice. It's going to involve some veggies. It's going to involve some chimichurri sauce. It's going to involve some love. I truly was so thrilled. And I have to say, Green Chef is truly changing the game, especially because who wants to like run to the super? It's hard. Life is hard. We're in a pandemic. Send me some glorious things to make my day go uh, a little bit better. And I have an incredible opportunity for AGs. Go to greenchef.com slash Andy's Girls 125 and use code Andy's Girls 125 to get $125 off, including free shipping. So again, go to greenchef.com slash Andy's Girls 125 and use code Andy's Girls 125 to get $125 off, including free shipping. And then slide into my DMs on Instagram and tell me what you're cooking tonight because oh my god does that not sound amazing I am salivating at the mouth and um, it's not <laughs> it's, it's not cute and I didn't eat before I came on here I've only had oh eight god. shots of espresso so you're making me like ah oh my god well lucky number nine because I need to give us both a little bit of a jolt um I think that most of us have heard the news um, that following part literally hours after part three of BH aired, uh, Dorit Kemsley found herself in a very frightening situation. We're getting more information. So as this episode comes out, some of these details may have been updated. But from what I understand, and please feel free to fact check me on this, she was asleep with PK, she had just returned from a trip to London for a family wedding, I believe. She was asleep in her bedroom. Her kids were asleep in their rooms nearby. PK was still in London for some business. And three people broke in through the glass door or wall of her children's playroom, went to her bedroom, threatened to kill her, told her they had guns. At one point, someone allegedly literally said, kill her. She cried out for her life, said, I'm a mother. My children are here. Please don't kill me. They stole $100,000 worth of valuables, uh, jewelry, bags, whatever that was, and left her in a state of, I'm sure, something far more intense than distraught. PK has, I believe, returned home from London to be with his wife. And it's hours after a reunion where she was talking about these beautiful pieces that she owns, that she pays full retail for. And I just, first off, I'm sending all of my thoughts to the Kemsleys because what a terrifying, violent, awful traumatizing ordeal that must have been disgusting disgusting and it's also one of those ideas as we saw Kim Kardashian go through when you know these women are specifically on a franchise that's all about performative wealth what can be more performative than Erica Jane where there's displays of grandeur and money and uh power and access and how much of that 
you know, how much of that, not caricature, but how much of that dream, how much of that so seemingly alternate reality so that's so inaccessible to so many factored into these people who felt like she was, they were the ones to attack. You know, what, how did you process that news? And, and what did you think about the timing of it with part three coming out? You know, I don't think it had, I think that part is a coincidence um, mm -hmm. with the part three coming out and her yeah. saying that, because this is something that was obviously very calculated and planned. They didn't just watch the episode and then, oh, of course, the, of course, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, of course, I, of course. I, last night on my hot messy topic some people were like oh they must have seen on the reunion that she said that it was all retail and then popped up and i'm like no that's not how this works this had to have been calculated they had to have either one thought dorit was still away in london or two mm -hmm. they knew she was home alone with pk and they've been watching the situation just like with with kim kardashian in paris so that scary. was planned out for two years they tried mm -hmm. to they were going to hit her a different time mm -hmm. and they didn't because kanye ended up being with her so, so scary with, it's so scary. And with this situation, like you said, it's traumatic. Um, I, I want more details about it. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have a police report yet, but sometimes that takes a day or two to process. And I want to know about the security system because I had a caller last night who lives in Calabasas. She has a security system. And she said, if my window cracks open, one, it alerts, it, it has like a loud beep. And then two, the police automatically or the alarm company automatically calls me. And if I don't answer within 10 minutes, the police are at my door. So mm. I want to know what happened with the security system that they were not alerted for the police to show up and how these people lasted in the house for 20 minutes. That makes no sense to me. I'm not saying that you know, any trying to figure out with the security system, these three men, I don't know, they cut something are there photos of the men entering into the place? We saw the broken glass window. Did they tie her up? Did one of them or two of them sit with her with a gun while the other one mm -hmm. raided the closet? And then we heard on NBC this morning that it wasn't a hundred thousand. It was a million. Oh my and, God. And that makes more sense to be honest. Yeah. Well, and I was thinking in my head too, there's three burglars. That doesn't make sense. A hundred thousand, because if you steal a hundred thousand dollars worth of merchandise and you it's try like to go dresses. pawn it, yeah, you're probably going to get like maybe fifty to sixty, seventy thousand dollars out of uh, out of those items, and then you divide it three ways. Is your life going to prison for a long time for for walking in with guns with young children in the house, going to prison for five, ten, fifteen, twenty years? Is that worth twenty five thousand dollars? That doesn't that didn't add up. So a million dollars made a lot more sense to me. Yeah, but I just want to know what the hell happened with the security system and a lot of fans of the show are wondering was it teddy mellencamp's husband put in the security system is it because we heard that he did kyle richard's security system as well right so kyle richards was robbed and they're they're wondering how is this continuing to happen but i do really feel like there's a market they've been robbed before at their beverly hills home and that burglar it, he had a system he had a system where he was very good at putting on this character. He never actually harmed anyone. He stole over 2,000 plus items and he would go to open houses, look at them, dress the part, case out the places, and then he would come back. And if people were in the home, he would have a gun and he would really play the part to intimidate them and take whatever he wanted. So I think that this is a real shady, fucked up business and that there are people out there who are obviously willing to do it. 
And I think when you boast your lavish lifestyle, and I know it's part of the show, but when you share so much on social media, like her in the closet, getting ready with crocodile Hermes Birkins that are worth a hundred thousand mm. plus, there is some sick weirdo out there who's watching that, like salivating at the mouth thinking, oh, this is going to be an easy grab. I can get in, I can get out. And it's just the whole thing is fucked up. I hate this. I hate this for Dorit. I hate that her children were there. I don't think that you can even come back from this and not have like nightmares, 100%. not think about it. It's just sad. It's sick. And I really, really hope LPD catches all three of those assholes. Um, I absolutely agree with you. And I just think the reaction to some of it, you know, the filming was already underway. I just keep thinking about that episode of keeping up with the Kardashians where Kim is going through the process. We see the, what happened before and what happened after, um, uh, she was robbed so violently during a trip to Paris. And I just feel so terribly for Dorit and, and it's good to see that her co-stars are like rallying to be there and support her. We saw pictures of Kyle showing up, um, Rena, uh, Erica Jane, fucking Teddy Mellencamp. Fox had Horse some, 5. Fox Horse 5. Teddy Mellencamp had some thoughts for Dana Pam, your pal Dana Pam on Instagram, because Dana Pam put up a legal document I still don't understand that she has provided absolutely no, no uh, uh, clarity around. So that's an odd look for her but she put up a legal document that included like an address that I don't think was their home address with no other information and Teddy took it upon herself to comment on it and be like essentially you should feel responsible for what happened because of posting this legal document that P.S. when it comes to these people's addresses so much of it is so easy to find online especially if homes have been for sale for anything else so that I didn't really buy but the idea that Teddy Mellencamp who is a husband security company fucked up in such a way that Kyle was robbed of all of her family heirlooms is taking it upon herself to talk about security it's like I get that you want to defend your friend but take several seats and hopefully those seats are still there and have not been hawked or stolen by someone else oh because they could get through your door you know what i'm saying like oh ma'am ma'am tr- go buy a carrot i don't know what to tell you this is not mm-hmm. it no no and you know dana obviously clapped back in true dana wilkie fashion and she's going to because if you talk to page six obviously and you're putting the blame on her you know i I could see where she would want to defend herself. And she even made it known, you know, PK named her as the second see you next Tuesday of the week. Mm-hmm. And when he did, he also reposted, this is what Dana said, that he reposted the document and talked about right. how Dana was fucked up for even posting it in the first place. And this was all before um, Dorit ever got, you know, before she was ever involved in this home invasion. And mm-hmm. also she said that the home was on the public market already so the address was already out there but i don't know like that again that's why i want to know is it teddy's husband's security company who who did the security for dorit i want these answers because i i'm not necessarily thinking oh okay because i've read fan comments you know fans are like well if it's teddy's husband then that's odd because why does why does this keep happening and i don't think that it would be teddy's husband who could be doing it. But again, you don't know what everyone's thinking. Like this is a fucked up world. So 
I'm reading fan speculation and they're like, could it be somebody who works for Teddy's husband and Teddy and them just don't know that this guy's a fucking con artist or could it be nothing to do with the security company, just somebody watching the show? There's so much speculation right now and until they find these three assholes, we don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing is that we don't know. So for people, there are people, I mean, obviously people are going to talk about whatever and gossip and theorize and we truly have no information aside from what we understand to have happened um it's just so odd to me that teddy would i get that she was trying to defend her friend but to involve herself in light of what happened with kyle is just ironic i guess i don't know yeah. it feels a little off but so does teddy so i guess that's like in line with our <laughs> understanding of her um I, I, it just, it's just, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's weird, but this whole situation is honestly just so sad and scary. And I think that any one discussing this, ideally, the first thing that they're saying is that they're sending their love to the Kemsleys because I am not a parent, but I cannot imagine the absolute, like, visceral, protective, fear of people coming into your home saying that they have weapons and saying that they are going to kill you and your children are there I just it is so viscerally traumatizing and I just hope that you know Dorit is absolutely surrounded by love stays offline as long as humanly possible and that PK is with her to comfort her and help the kids process what was a very just honestly very very violent encounter and hopefully these people will be caught and whatever security they had which I know that they had it's that she feels protected because we watched Kim process what happened to her over the course of several episodes during that season and it's not a joke it's incredibly um upsetting and you know, what I remember Kim saying during the episode specifically about what happened in Paris is she said to herself, she said something along the lines of like, I just prayed that when Courtney found my body, that she would not be traumatized for the rest of her life. Imagine processing that in the moment that you are thinking, I hope that whomever finds me, that my dear sister who finds me is able to survive this. Like that is incredibly traumatizing. And what Dorit has gone through is really sad. And it's just the lens to see it and understand it through the idea of how these women, almost the pressure on them, especially in Beverly Hills, to show their wealth and access to it. I wonder how that will change as a result of this, if at all, because if I was any of those women in the cast, I would be making sure that my security and whatever else was rock solid and really maybe rethinking the wealth that I'm presenting on camera. Because as you said, some crazy people are watching. Right. You never know who's watching you. And that's so very like, it's true. Not everybody's a good guy. Yeah, I mean, my God, it's just been a wild. I get into a lot of this on a Patreon episode that's up now where I unpack many, many satchels of gold from listeners. And guys, if you're new to AG, satchels of gold named in honor of her holiness, Kelly Kaloran Ben Simone from season three of Scary Island. Our listener reactions, questions, thoughts, feels, concerns, all of that good stuff um, as relating to housewives and anything else. And 
there's so much that's happened. Yolanda, Gigi, and Zane. There's some breaking news there. More understanding of what's happening with Dorit. News out about the New York reunion and someone cough, cough, Team Ramona leaking to TMZ some information about the reunion, why the reunion didn't happen. I mean, how do you go through the process of deciding what to talk about on your YouTube channel? Like, which headlines... What what engages with you or interests you most because there's so much news always happening about Bravo and Housewives? It depends. I If it's a front runner, like if it's a NeNe leak story or Bethany mm. or LVP, then I can gauge it like I know this will be a good video. If mm. it's something that I've never heard about and I'm legit, like I know all about Bravo. I've watched all the shows from season, like we all have, right? So mm -hmm. if it's something I've never heard, then I'm like, okay, this is going to be a good story. And I wake up every day and I start my day at like 630. And mm -hmm. I just immediately check like headlines, what's going on, what's happening in the world. And usually I don't get any information until nine. So I just sit in a bathtub. <laughs> I do. I swear I, I do. I love I sit, that for you. I sit in a bathtub and I wait. And as soon as one comes out, I'm like, okay, I'll wash my face and wash my hair after mm. like, or in a little bit. Um, and then as soon as like, I'm on my phone and I see a story, I'm like, fuck. And I like wash my hair and I'm like, I got to get to the camera. And I run out and I give my fiance so much anxiety because he's like, you are too much energy this morning. It's mm. too much. And I'm like, it's never going away. You chose to be with me right eight years. You're not leaving me now. Like you're not fucking going anywhere. Shut up and let me just go lock myself in the studio. And he's like, get the fuck away from me. Oh my like, God, okay, I love that. Going in the studio. Bye. Love you. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's a fascinating thing because when you are a content creator, it, it does at some points, many points, it feels somewhat exhausting. It's like how to straddle the appreciation and enjoyment of these shows with trying to strategize and understand which points of discussion to unpack. It's a lot. There's, it's like, how it's do you, lot. how do you maintain that sense of joy or passion for watching these shows with the pressure of uncovering them? Is there something Alcohol. that helps you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Vanderpump Rose. Um, I love it. Listen, Adam, I could talk to you forever. You are so interesting to talk to and also the lens of you know your history with Lisa with the Tom Tom with everything else is um a really interesting special uh kind of position to have I would say um is there someone on your YouTube channel that you haven't had the chance to interview that you would love to sit down with I would love to sit down with LVP um mm -hmm. have you I asked her no, I just okay. feel like I don't want to, I don't want to cross that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, LVP I would love. Oh, and Bethany Frankel, Bethany Frankel, but I would prepare for that for like a month because mm -hmm. I served her one time at, um, Barney's <gasps> oh. in New York and it was the new location in Chelsea. And she asked me, how's the octopus? And she's like, you know, she said, how's the octopus? And very just straightforward. She was having lunch with Dorinda. And I was like, it's fabulous. And she's like, fabulous. That's a big word. Fabulous. Are you sure? Because that's, that's a commitment. Fabulous. You're sure it's fabulous. Fabulous. And I was like, I don't know. I'm lying. Oh I've never fucking tried the octopus. I don't like it. So I don't know. <laughs> but you know, like she just comes back at you with such an energy that I would have to prepare for like a month for that. But I would love to talk with Bethany. I would love to talk with Lisa Vanderpump. I would love to talk with Nene Leakes. I love the front runners, you know? So, mm -hmm. and I also love some of 
you know, the ones who are not front runners, but of course, like those would be my actually Andy Cohen too. I would love to have an Andy Cohen interview. So, um, did she like you know. the octopus? My God. She loved she the order? octopus. Oh, she said it was fabulous. I'm like, God forbid she didn't. I don't know how that would be received. Um, listen, Adam, how can people, where can people go to follow and subscribe your YouTube and stay in touch with you online? Yeah. So um, if anyone's interested and you want to follow me for recaps and interviews and amazing collaborations and hot, messy topics, you guys can go check out my YouTube channel at Up and Adam. And it's always fun. You know, we do pre-records, we have great interviews, but then also, like I said, Monday through Friday, we do a segment called Hot Messy Topics that lasts like an hour to two hours where we have four to seven different topics and we get messy as hell. We ask for your unfiltered opinions and it's just like a free for all. But I love it because everyone gets to give their opinion and it gives everyone just a platform while we're building this community to have somewhere to go to relax at the end of the night. So yeah, check me out on Up and Adam. And if you guys aren't subscribed, get subscribed. That's all. Oh my God. You guys have to hit the subscribe button. What is stopping you from joining the Up and Adam community? Uh, Listen, um, the Andy Scrolls live show that just happened on October 17th, um, hashtag sold out, no big deal, at Club Coming. I'm so excited you guys can finally listen to it. It went up this week exclusively on the Andy Scrolls Patreon. I am um, so thrilled to include a clip of that uh, on this episode with uh, Damien OG of the AG and my conversation with Dallas housewife, Dr. Tiffany Moon. She had some thoughts on Potomac. She had some (laughs) thoughts on the future of Dallas, uh, VCC uh, cam. So enjoy that. And if you want to hear the full episode, 90 minutes of sass, including several of you who appeared and participated in the question and answer segment during the live show, uh, it's available exclusively on the AG Patreon where you get so many bonus episodes if you join our premium tier the opportunity to record a patreon episode with me and so much more that's patreon.com slash andy scrolls i'm also going to be doing another ag patreon zoom kiki in november so stay tuned for more information i'm going to put up a poll for you guys to vote on what timing and dates you would like for that november um kiki And my God, that satchel spectacular. So much to say. Uh, Guys, if you're not sliding into my DMs, giving me your satchels of gold, what are you doing with your days? Uh, Instagram at Dame Galley. I hope you guys enjoy Damien and my conversation with Tiffany. It was such a fucking delight to have her. And again, thanks to all of you who attended the live show. And also I have to say thank you to Countess Luann who also participated and actually made my life complete. Um, Adam, thanks for coming on AG. I hope you're, you'll come back soon. It was so great to chat with you. I could have done this with you all day. Oh my gosh. No, thank you for having me. And we're going to have to steal you over to my channel sometime. Oh my God, would love it. I will be there in five seconds, just as soon as I get out of PJs. So maybe an hour. Um, Guys, I hope you enjoy that conversation with Tiffany now and that you are staying safe, staying sane, getting vaccinated if you can. And we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye, guys. Someone's calling you in the middle of the show. right now. I know. Oh, it says call failed. Let me try calling them back from, let's see who it is. Oh my God, is that? Dr. Tiffany Moon? Dr. Tiffany Moon? 
part of the special event. <laughs> we love it. We love it, Tiffany. Thank you, Tiffany. I, I love being a part of a special event. We're on stage. We got a sold-out crowd of Andy's Girls listeners, all of who love you. Love you, sir. Any Bravo shows? Um, I did not watch any of the Housewives prior to being a housewife, and now I watch all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you? Do you have a favorite Bravo show? Um, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of a show that's not Housewives that you might be interested in. Maybe I don't know. Just pulling this out of my ass. I've never thought about it before until this very moment. But like, what about Married to Medicine? Have you seen Married to Medicine at all? <laughs> I have heard of that show before. I have never seen it. And sadly, or maybe not so sadly, I do not think uh -oh. that you will be seeing me on Mary to Medicine. Fuck yeah. Tiffany. aside from the Bravo, the blogs of it all, about that happening? Well, you know, the Bravo fans, I feel like, control where the programming goes. Because ultimately, that's who's digesting the content. And so I think, you know, there was some sort of petition or something that was like, justice for Tiffany, like, give her her own show. I love Leanne. They are very different people. 
wish that they were still friends, but frankly, they are not. I, in every single interaction that I have ever had with Leanne Lockin, she has been nothing but kind, sincere, and honest. Um, and she actually gave me some words of advice when I first started this show. And some of them, I was like, really? Are you sure? I don't think that person's like that. Like, I don't know. And, you know, a, a whole year later, after filming the show, waiting for post-production, and then having the show air, I was like, you know what? She wasn't wrong. <laughs> wow, mic drop, except I'm still actually holding the microphone. Um, quick question for you. So the news was announced that Dallas is going on a long-term hiatus. What are the chances you think of it coming out of that slumber? Or do you think it's it's dead in the ground? <laughs> I honestly have no idea. Um, but it, it won't be anytime soon. It would be like two, three, five years, I think. And it might be one of those like straight to streaming, um, the Peacock service kind of thing. Um, I, I honestly have no idea. I don't think anybody knows, um, including the production company or the network. They kind of, you know, are seeing how it flows. Um, and, you know, people are like, well, if they bring it back, would you come on? And I was like, you know, never say never, because I never thought I'd do the season that I did to begin with. Um, so, yeah, maybe I would be on if the circumstances in my life were right and we could get, you know, the cast to gel a little bit better. Um, but honestly, if that was my one ever season on reality TV ever, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I love that answer. Love and it. final question, you know, you run a candle empire. And I'm just curious because this has come up on Potomac and Potomac's after show and on social media and in press coverage. Um, are you team one wick candle or three? I am team one wick candle. Wow. Okay, I'm going to stick with the one wick. And um, Wendy and I were recently together. And she is beautiful and lovely and smart and has more degrees than me. Um, and we are going to stay on the one wick train. Wow. wow. Dr. Tiff, which is what I'm calling you in my head from now on, for spilling all of that onstage tea, to OG of the AG, Damian Bellino, for joining me on stage, and of course, to Club Coming here in New York City for having us. A link to the full show, 90 Minutes of Live Sass, is available exclusively on the Andy Scrolls Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash Scrolls. A link is also in the show notes to this episode. Here's to another live show soon. Thanks to all of the AGs who joined us. See you next week. Bye.